So today's reading is Isaiah 5, 1 7, and you can find that on page 690 of the Church Bibles. <clears throat> I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good, gra good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Um, my throat gives way, hopefully not through the sermon, it'll, it'll last to the end. Some people put presents and gifts underneath the Christmas trees. In this case, it's a cup of water. So, this will see me through. So will you pray with me before we begin to look at this passage? Father God, let this be a rich time a time in which you would apply your word to us, where you would open our eyes so we can see you lifted up and to open our ears to your message from this passage in the book of Isaiah. Well, how are, in Jesus' name, amen. How are the Christmas preparations going? I mean, some people, maybe just be days in advance, some people weeks, some people months. I don't know, I've seen, you might have yourself, outside of houses, the lights and different decorations have been up since October. I mean, it might be even earlier next year. And it's important, isn't it? People spend a lot of time doing that and also in their houses. And there's invites maybe go out to people and relatives they haven't seen for some time. And the Christmas dinner. Well, that's an important one, isn't it? Making sure it's right, the right turkey, and or whatever other meat or non-meat now. You can get a vegetarian version, a vegetarian version of a turkey. I, I don't know about that. But anyway, all the trimmings, the Christmas crackers, everything's out. Perfection. It's all waiting. It looks wonderful. But sometimes it doesn't always remain that way. And sometimes things happen. I was looking at some online on Christmas disasters. I mean, hopefully not this won't happen to anyone here. But this family had given a ticket or an invite to an estranged relative, Uncle Jim. He had a few drinks, come in a little bit tipsy, went into the Christmas tree, the lights tripped, it fused everything in the house. The son started arguing and the dog ran off with a turkey. And then... The people that were involved with all that, the mother and father, thought, what more could we have done? What more could we have put in place? A few Christmases ago, 
and Mike Passia as a, a housing officer. We were determined to get this gentleman into accommodation. He'd lost so much accommodation over the years through his behaviour, but we're just determined we're going to do this and work towards it. So we managed to get him in the office, a bit dishevelled, but we got a change of clothes and went to Greg's and we needed, the shoes were falling off his feet. One of my colleagues said, my husband got a pair of really good trainers last year, size too big, I'll go and get them. What wonderful, but $59.99 stickers were still on, really good trainers. I thought, wow, you're going to get some walking out of that. So everything was set up, rang the agency, they said, yes, well, we, we will take him. We know what he's been like, but we're happy, we'll, we'll go for that. A couple hours later, I rang, and there was no show. He hadn't turned up. I thought, what more could have been put into place? And I went to a drop-in two days later, and there he was, larger than life, sitting with friends and happy, and I looked at his feet. And the trainers he had on were worse than the ones we'd threw out. And I says, where's your trainers? And he says, oh, I sold them for a quick fix. But Elaine, don't worry because I'm all right and everything's going to be okay. And on my way out, he said, you couldn't get us another pair, could you? And you just think, what more could have been done if someone is pressing the self-destruct button? Everything is in place. And our vineyard owner in this passage, which is referring to God, but we'll put that aside for one moment because the first hearers, the people of Judah, would have been listening to that as... A vineyard owner, that's what the story is relating. It's from God's messenger, Isaiah, delivered his message to the people of Judah. And the lesson of the vineyard, well, it shows that God's chosen nation was to bear fruit, to carry out his work, to uphold justice. But did it bear fruit? Well, yes, it did, but bad fruit. I don't know about you, but if you've looked at bad fruit, if you've tasted it, it's even worse. And you want to get rid of it, don't you? And, and it's worthless. And because God is holy, moral perfection, supreme in power, he is truthful, he doesn't lie, he is fair and just, he requires his people to be just people and to live godly lives. But it's not the case, and we've been hearing this through Isaiah, we'll go before that also, Issues of immorality, idolatry, where they have turned away from the one true God and are worshipping other idols. And even seeking help um, and, and military aid from the surrounding pagan nations. God's care intends his people for good, but their wickedness will be judged. This is a song. I'm not going to sing it. I don't know if Isaiah did. It's a song to a story. It's a parable. And Jesus told many parables to great effect. There's a similar one we probably look at from Mark. It's in three of the Gospels. It's the parable of the tenants. It was the second reading um, in the earlier service. But let's look at our reading here this morning. I will sing for the one I love. A song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones. He planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. 
Well, I haven't been to Israel recently. I mean, we've passed many vineyards on route on, on our many excursions. And these aren't small pieces of land. These are acres and acres of land. The vineyard is on a fertile hillside. So the soil, the land is good. It is choice land. The vineyard owner, he's cultivating the ground. He's doing all the work, removing stones. And there's many of them in Israel as well. And the people of Isaiah, the first hearers, his audience, when they're listening to this, and they're probably understanding, maybe working plots themselves, understanding the work, the care, the time that has gone into this. The owner planted the finest vines. There is no expense spared. And when you do something like that, and it's so perfect, you, you would want to protect it, wouldn't you? And he builds a watchtower, perhaps with the stones that he cleared, so he could watch out for wild animals, intruders. He constructed a wine vat so that all was ready for the expected ripe grapes. And he waited. And there's nothing that happens overnight, because when you plant a vine, it can take up to three years before there's a harvest. And then we are in the time of Advent where we are exciting and it's in a time of expectation. And just like this vineyard owner, all that love he put into it, the hope, the expectation, the excitement. Wow, this is going to produce good fruit. But rather than producing good grapes, the vineyard produced bad fruit, totally worthless to him. And Isaiah's audience, the people of Judah, they would have been understanding, they would resonate with that, appreciate all the work that had been put in. Goodness me, all that work's been done, all that care and attention. And look what's happened. Awful. I'm not a gardening person. I don't have a garden. I don't have any house plants. I did kidnap a plant once. Actually, that doesn't sound very good, does it? Well, it wasn't a proper kidnap, and it wasn't just me. It was, it was few of us at work, and this guy had loved the plant he had and it's in our office, and he talked to it, I think, and, and fed it. I think some people do that. And anyway, he went on holiday. So we decided that we would take the plant on excursions. And it went various ways. We went round South Tyneside and taking photographs and sending them off to him. Um, Someone went down to Yorkshire and they pulled in at one of the Porta Cafe places and Hell's Angels were there and they got the biggest bloke in all the leathers to hold this plant. We sent that off. It went to St. James's Park. It went to the Stadium of Light. It was at that time I noticed that the leaves started to droop. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that's anything to do with Sundance Ground. If... Your friend and fans, you're probably saying, oh, yes, you do, Elaine. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I think it just got to that time where the plant had been outdoors too long, needed to come indoor. And that guy had put... No plant was destroyed in the making of this story, apparently. But this guy had put everything in place. Everything. All them instructions for us to do. And look what we did. What more could he have done? What more could have been done in our passage in verse 3? Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard, 
what more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? What does God do when God's children rebel and press the self-destruct button? And what do we do as parents? What would we do as parents? If you haven't been a parent, then maybe you know a friend or a sibling. When everything's been put in place, all that love, all that support, financial help, everything, and then people just get involved with the wrong crowd, and it can really go downhill quite rapidly. Issues of alcohol, abuse, drugs, relationships where you know that person you love is going in or in this relationship, and it's toxic. And you would do anything to get them out of there, but they decide to stay. My employment, often young people, 17 and 18, and have to ring up their parents, and I'll say, oh, are you... Can this person come home? And the parents on the other line are breaking their heart. And they're saying, no. They're going to have to change. They need to change before we can get them back home. Because they're destroying the whole family. And people of Judah listening to this message, well, some may have been thinking what they would do with such a disappointing investment bearing of bad fruit. But whatever their responses were at the time, Isaiah wants to have to let them know in no doubt as to what the vineyard owner will do. He will not merely abandon his worthless vineyard. He will assist in its destruction. Verse 5. Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. That magnificent vineyard, beautiful, just reduced to a stump in the ground. Derelict land, wasteland, not fit for purpose. And if there's any doubt who is speaking here, well, as mere humans, we may be able to take away hedges and break down walls, but I will command the clouds not to rain on it. Well, only the creator God, the one true God, can do that. All those protective boundaries that he had put in place to protect, as you would want to do with people you love, He removes. He's turning them over to their own bad choices. Okay, fine. Have it your own way. And if it were possible that some of Isaiah's hearers didn't think that this was about them, well, verse 7 really lets them know. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel and the people of Judah and the vines he delighted in. He delighted in them. He looked for justice but saw bloodshed, for righteousness but heard cries of distress. People of Judah, it's you. God speaking through Isaiah turns the table on God's people and tells them, this is you. 
This is a prophecy. It is, it's telling people what will happen. But there's also a purpose in this because it's telling people that you need to change. You need to change your ways. But it isn't just talking about ancient Israel because let's have a look at that parable that Jesus told. It's on page 1017 if you want to follow it. It's Mark 12. It's also on two of the other Gospels, but we'll look at that one. It might be on, yeah, behind me. That's great. Jesus then began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Does that sound familiar? He rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him, they beat him, sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they killed. He had one left to send. A son, you know, is Jesus, whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, they will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Jesus uses this vineyard to talk about New Testament people of God who have rejected him. And in that context, he is exposing the religious leaders who were plotting to kill him. He knew they were plotting to kill him. There's also a warning there that their sins, our sins, will be punished. Well, Elaine, this is, I thought this was a season to be jolly. Is there no good news? Well, yes, there is. Of course there is. We are in Advent. We are approaching that time that 2,000 years ago, God enters history in human form. That amazing and incredible event in the form of a baby, baby Jesus. But he's also anticipating his second coming, and that will be very different, and there will be judgment. But the gospel message declares that while even we are sinners and lawbreakers, Jesus died for us. All that sin, all that shame, he takes upon himself. There is no more condemnation. We are set free from sin and death through the cross of Christ. But this freedom is not for self-indulgence. This freedom is given to us that we can produce the sweet wine of God's vineyard within our communities, within our nation, within the world. God has done everything possible. He's given us everything we could possibly need. Everything we ever need in this life is found in Jesus. Like the people of Judah and those before him and those in between this time and that. People rebel. We rebel. We turn away from him. We follow other idols. Might be different idols through different times. 
through the ages. But things like following power and all about job opportunities and promotion, money, IT devices, I mean, people just it's glued to the hand. Phones, how many likes, or oh, I need some more likes today. And, and when you follow other things and they become your God, well, then you begin to overlook the needs of others. This is the reason why the world is in the state it's in, because people don't know Jesus. We need to be fruitful in good works because of Jesus' care, instead of living unjustly. Strive to live a life that is godly. We spent eight weeks in the book of Titus. I think hopefully we'll all remember that. Living those godly lives, pointing to Jesus for all that he has done for us, all that this vineyard owner had done. Because one day, God will hold us accountable. And what will he find? He will ask us to show him the fruit of all his bountiful provision. Because he's given us everything. There's no excuse. We don't have an excuse. We have all of heaven's best at our disposal. We need to follow the star, the true one, the true king. And with reference to the vineyard, well, Jesus is the true vine. Let me just read a couple of verses from John chapter 15. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The Lord Jesus has planted us in the vineyard of God's grace. And if that's not something to rejoice in today and every day, it's amazing truth. And in that amazing truth, then let us honor and praise the Holy One and ensure that in all we do, we produce good fruit. Let me close that in prayer. Father God, Father God, we thank you. Thank you for all that you have given us. You gave us everything in your son, Jesus Christ. Forgive us that we take so many of these things for granted. Help us be more appreciative. Help us to honor you, glorify you. And in all we do, produce that good fruit. Not for anything that we can get, but just for who you are. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.